Hello everyone, my name is Adam Tandez and I'm the founder of the All Day Everyday Hoops newsletter and as of right now, I am the host of the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. My mission here is to bring you guests who will inspire you, motivate you, and propel you to think about teamwork, leadership, genuine connection with those you interact with every single day, and of course, your culture. Our vehicle to spur such thought will start with a lot of individuals who belong to the world of women's college basketball. All Day Everyday Hoops wants to do its part to help grow the beautiful game that is women's basketball. Please listen, like, subscribe, and critique. I am here for you. This podcast is here for you. We want to serve you and your podcast needs. Now, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, we're here with Cardinal Stritch University women's basketball coach, John Vaffel. John and I have been friends since I got in the coaching game. It took time, continued to develop a relationship over several years, um, and he's definitely a guy that I look up to, I respect, I admire. He knows uh, these things, and he knows that for the very first All Day Every Day Hoops podcast, he knew that he was the guy that I targeted and wanted to be on the very first episode. Uh, and a little backstory for all of you that don't know, John and I roomed together down at Tampa for one of the Final Fours, and that's honestly where the idea for the all-day, every-day uh, newsletter started. And with that happening, with us sharing ideas, talking about drills, bringing pen and pad to restaurants, to bars, visiting his office... Uh, things like that we've been able to collaborate and share and the idea kind of came up well why why can't we do this on a bigger scale other people are doing it we can access a lot of people and because of that it's kind of grown into something uh, that I'm very proud of and John was a main reason that we've been able to do that and he won't take any credit but he absolutely was the guy that helped me come up with the idea so when it came to launching the very first podcast i knew he was the guy to start with as well if nothing else provide good luck and uh, get the ball rolling the right way a little bit about john john has been a part of the cardinal stretch athletics family since 1989 he's got an overall 79 percent winning percentage at cardinal stretch he's been to the national tournament eight straight times in, in all eight years of him being a head coach he has really done it all in terms of staying a part of the athletic department at Cardinal Stritch, whether that was being the head men's and women's cross-country coach to being an adjunct instructor, teaching physical education and sport management. He's been the SID. He's assisted on the men's side, assisted on the women's side. He's also been the director of recreation and intramurals and facilities at Cardinal Stritch. He's done everything, and I think for uh, all the listeners, there'll be something that you can take away from this. John, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Great to be here, and uh, I just want to throw in there the respect is totally mutual. You're you're a great guy and a great coach, and I'm glad to be your friend and uh, part of your first podcast. Oh, thanks, John. John, I kind of want to start with kind of how you got to Cardinal Stritch. Uh, I, I talk a lot about mentorship. I talk a lot about finding mentors that can help 
especially young coaches, uh, the way that you helped me throughout the years and continue to help me every day. And I know you took over for a guy whose name is on the court there at Cardinal Stritch, Coach Rich Pinella, uh, a guy that comes from a great coaching tree, coaching background, grew up with Rick Majerus. Kind of talk about how that kind of helped you get to Cardinal Stritch and how he really made an impact both on your personal and uh, professional life there. Right, yeah. So so my, my route to uh, Stritch was uh... – not what I had planned, kind of a circuitous route to try to make it uh, short. I was, uh, after a small stint as a collegiate football player uh, and became a college dropout, I happened to get a uh, chance to coach at, a, at an all-girls school in Milwaukee while I was, while I was working a, a factory job. And uh, that school happened to be actually owned by the same, run by the same nuns that run Cardinal Stretch. So after a couple of years of, of uh coaching high school girls basketball and really finding out I knew very little about basketball when I took over the job. I thought I knew the sport and I became a coach. I found out there's so much more to it than so that those, those first three seasons at, at St. Mary's Academy on the south side of Milwaukee really is where I learned how to coach. I bought a couple books. I would go and watch practices of other, other coaches that I knew and, uh, sort of became, started learning on how to coach, uh, you know, Fortune sort of was, I was sort of blessed with uh, knowing Rich Pinella. Um, went to went to uh, grade school and high school with his kids. Didn't know him personally, but knew of him as a coach and his reputation. And luckily for me, one of his assistant coaches was my grade school coach. And so wow. after three years of uh, being at the uh, high school level and uh, getting my feet wet there, they uh, asked me if I want to come over and and uh, step in and. Um, Really was was volunteering. I was working thirty hours a week as a volunteer for them. While I was working uh, three other jobs and trying to make things make things work there. Really, after uh, five years of volunteering for under Rich, uh, I basically went to Rich and said, "Look, you know, I, I need to uh, I need to grow up and get a job and and move on." And he uh, he made things work here at Stritch to to create a position for me. So you mentioned some of my duties. So my first job here. And it took a pay cut from my part-time jobs to do this was to assist him to assist the men's team. At the same time, I had to start the cross-country program, and uh, they never had a sports information director. And so they sort of said, "Okay, now now you're also the SID." So I had to do some duties I never I never had any knowledge or background experience in. So, but it was a chance to work under him, a chance to be a college coach. Uh, I became even more poor at the time to do that but I knew I knew I knew pos- I knew it was a passion of mine I knew I wanted to work with him I knew I wanted to be a coach I loved the idea of working with others and uh that was the start in my route to, to Cardinal Stritch that's um, great well yeah. real quick just a couple nuggets I want to take from there what were the books you bought when you first wanted to be a coach do you remember yeah. do you still have well, those books what books yeah, were they I, I sure do so I, I bought two books so three things I did one is before the books I, I would um at the same time I was coaching basketball I was also coaching football at Milwaukee Pius, the 11th high school, my alma mater. And so I would sneak away and I would go hide in the fitness center in the gym that was, the fitness center was in the, in the gym, and I would sneak in there and I would watch um, a coach that many people know, Joel Clausen, who was a legend yes. in girls basketball and now, now a boys coach. I would go and watch his practices and take notes. So I would do that first, unbeknownst to Joel. I told him that last year for the first time that I would go and sneak and watch his practices because I because he was a great coach and I learned a lot from him. But the two books I I bought I 
I bought um, Dick Bennett's book and Dean Smith. And so, seriously, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I knew nothing about coaching. I thought I did. I would read some chapters, and I would put things in practice. And so those first three classes, three teams that I, I coached, were kind of guinea pigs. I would put things in. I would try things. I failed a lot, but those are my two books. That's, uh, that's an unbelievable story to how you got your foot in the door. But, yeah. again, the unconventional way for a lot of people and a lot of times is, one, the most remarkable one, also I'm sure the most rewarding uh, when you will reflect back on this when you're retired and done. And then also clearly it was able to yield your level of success and able to help you produce a great product. I got to ask as well, what were some of the coaching practices that you went to? Obviously, being in Milwaukee, were you able to tap into some of the local legends uh, from back in the day? Right. Who, who were you able to kind of, other than Coach Clawson, who everybody knows for the amazing winning streak that he had on the women's side, and he's doing a tremendous job on the boys' side as well at Pius. Yeah, yes. Who are some of the, what were some of the universities and who are some of the coaches that you went and, and yeah. bothered and asked questions to and that kind of stuff? All right, so... Um... But it's going back away, so let me see if I can remember some names. So uh, when I did go back to school, I was at UW-Milwaukee, uh, and um, Steve Antrim, I believe, was the men's coach back then. I would go and watch his practices and uh, learn a lot from him. We would go over to uh, Marquette and watch the men's teams and the, the women's teams back then. So Marquette was going through a number of coaches back then, but I remember, I remember going to a lot of a lot of the practices. They were very welcoming, and, and I learned a lot. You know, pa- you know, pad and pen, go sit down and watch TWM and, and Marquette's practices. I would go to some high school practices, too. Uh, um, Dave Markson, who was won a state tournament at Dominican High School. Uh, mm-hmm. On the girls' side, I would go watch his practice. It was basically UWM and, and Marquette. Good coaches. I, I learned a lot. I mean, early 90s, I mean, did you catch Kevin O'Neill, maybe Mike Dean? Uh, yes, both, both of them. Yeah. You bet. Okay. Yep. And, and, you know, it was, it, was, it was interesting. You would think at that level that they would big-time you. They were very welcoming. They spent more time... Uh, sitting with you during practice and coaching. And so, yeah, they're good mentors. That's awesome. Well, again, like I started the question, tell us tell us a little bit more about Coach Pinella, what made him so great. I know some other people, yeah. um, like Coach Schultz down at Carroll. You know, I know some other people who obviously played for him, worked for him. Uh, my former boss, Amy Egan, had nothing but great things to say about Coach Pinella. What was his kind of special sauce that – he really was able to leave a, a positive, lasting impression on all the people he yeah. he touched. How, how did he do that? I, I would love to hear more about him. I know, uh, unfortunately, he passed recently, uh, but I would love to yeah. hear hear about how he was able to create that legacy and, and what he did. Right. You know, I hate I hate to use bumper sticker uh, lines, but you know um, what fits Rich Pinella is you know great coach, better person. And that's what made him who he was as a coach. Um, you know, it wasn't simply the knowledge, his knowledge of the game, um, but I think it was more so because of the way he treated his team, his players and his team members. You know, he said, he said he was able to find that balance of setting very, very high expectations and holding his team accountable for their play, not only on the court, but how their actions off the court, off the court in the classroom, in the community. But he, he was able to really be tough on his players but he he serious, sincerely loved his teams. He loved them. They loved them back. His teams were known for playing really hard. But he was a very humble guy. You know, he he had tons of awards. He, he was in the Hall of Fame at Stretch. He's in the Hall of Fame for our conference. 
He's in the Wisconsin Basketball Hall of Fame. He's in the NEA Hall of Fame. Wow. You wouldn't see that stuff on his wall. They were hiding in a corner in his house. Wow. So he was not about awards. He was about his players. And so that humility, I think, warped over his players, too. He was able to get players that overachieved, they stayed humble, and somehow find players that are going to put the team first. And so yes. he, he had, I said, he, he would have the Midas touch as far as finding kids that maybe were under-recruited, that no one knew about, but came here and overachieved. So he really connected with his players, and that's, that's sure. easier said than done. Sure. Now, obviously, I think you're, you are being very humble. Obviously, working for him, I'm sure you played a role in recruiting some of those kids throughout that time. How, how, how long did you wear all those different hats? So you went to him after five years of doing it for free and said, hey, i got to figure yep. something out or else Janice is going to leave me. So <laughs> what, what, how long did you have to do all those different things? together it was about it was about uh 14 15 years i had to do all that 15 years wow yeah. good for you i mean that's i mean yeah. that's amazing there there are some people who you know who want to enter the coaching world and want to enter this profession would not even be able to do that for a few months let alone a year and then you able to do it 15 years and would you tie that into again coach Pinella? would you tie it into the love for Cardinal Stritch, you know, what were the things you were balancing at the time? Also, was it a necessity to stay in Milwaukee? You know, I mean, if you're being honest, was right, there right. that piece of it? Yeah, touch on that, will you? Yeah, I think I think um, there's no single answer, or even two answers. I think there's multiple things that go into play there. I, you know, I, again, I, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but my work and work under Rich Pinella for the rest of my life, I did not have to be a head coach. Uh, the way he treated me, he, I mean, he basically talked to me like I was a co-coach and told everybody on the outside that I was his co-coach. But, um, you know, basically, I had a great boss. I loved him, and I, he was like a second dad. I could work for him forever. I did not want to uproot my family, and so that was another reason why I stayed stayed around. But really, I loved I loved Stritch. Every school has some pros and cons, but I love Stritch. I love the mission. I love the type of students we brought in. So that kept me here, too. So, sure. you know, again, I don't want to use a quote, but, you know, uh, John Gordon talks about burnout. He talks about how do you not burn out. I said, focus on why you're doing what you're doing, not what you're doing. Don't get frustrated with what you're doing. Focus back on why you're doing it. So, um, I think the type of people that Richard bring in, we are we are able to recruit and get here. Uh, kept me fresh. Kept me wanting to work hard. You know, I, I was brought up by two amazing parents that instilled in me the the traits of you know um, sacrifice for others, putting first, and hard work. I think that's why I was able to maintain that, that job for so many years. And um, lastly, I have an amazing, amazing wife. I was very understanding. I was able to put up with me being gone so much. Maybe that was a good thing. I was gone so much that that helped our relationship grow. <laughs> I was gone. But, but um, she, she was an, an amazing person and, was, and, and um, allowed me to follow my passion. That's awesome. I'm quickly learning. You know, obviously, you know, my wife and I just had our first kid. Ella Grace, yeah, awesome. and she's you know almost eight months now. And you know when you and I connect and we share stories about how she's doing. Again, like <laughs> you're talking about not maybe being able to uproot yourself and your family, and then also there's no opportunity, I believe, in this business, in this profession, to be successful without you know your immediate support system. And our wives, true, are huge, our wives are a huge part of that. Obviously, Sophia and Carly. Your daughters uh, are are a part of that, um, but it does 
it does make things um, a lot more fruitful and it makes a lot makes things a lot easier uh, to be frank but speaking of family i want to i want to touch on on one thing one thing you always have told me throughout the years and if janice ever listens to this maybe she'll be upset with me but you said they're not necessarily basketball fanatics but you said that actually was able to bring a nice balance you know if you maybe missed out on a recruit or had a tough loss or stuff yeah. wasn't just going well practice wise. Uh, kind of touch on that. What, what made that uh, a positive rather than you know some yeah. people seeing their spouse, their significant other, their partner maybe not being uh, super big fans of their job or their team? How, how did that play? How were you guys able to turn that into a positive in your household? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, that <laughs> I joke with you about that, and it, it is a true story that my wife, while she supports me and comes to games and stuff. I don't believe she's she doesn't have a passion for sports like I do, right. and so you know, and it's not, and you know, I see a lot of uh, coaches that their wives and or their or their husbands are at everything and are very ingrained in the program, and I I love that. I think it's awesome. It's good for a relationship too to be together that much. I kind of had the opposite thing, and it, I turn into a positive in that you know you get back from a, a big loss or you lost a recruit or you're just you know you're a little burnt out, and in, you know coaches. We tend to take things with us, and it's a twenty-four-seven part of our life. Right. And I would, I would jokingly come home, and I, I wanted to, I, I just either won a huge game or I lost a huge game, and I walk in, and um, Janice would say, "Hey, I need you to vacuum and do the dishes <laughs> and get things done around the house." And and and, and I'd be like, "But well, you now, inside, I'm like, but I want someone to <laughs> commiserate with me or celebrate <laughs> with me." And she's like, "No." So, and, and I joke about that, but it helped me kind of compartmentalize my job a little right. bit for my family. And, and I can go home and be with my family and take my mind off of the fact that man, I just screwed up at the end of the game last night and I lost the game for us. And Stop instead of it. instead of that beating me up, beating myself up, you know, I, I can go hug my kids and play with them and, and do my do my honeydew chores, that kind of stuff. So so really, I turned it into a positive. So yeah, what I like, you know, my, my daughters be at every game, my wife, yeah. But they have lives too, and, and um, I respect that. So I think it's a healthy respect, healthy boundaries, and it's it's been good for me. That's good. That's awesome. Uh, definitely something, as I'm sure you know from talking to other people in the profession, very enviable, right? I mean, there's a ton of people that, as my, my current boss, Lisa Carlson, says, you know, it's not about work-life balance. It's about work-life blending. And you like have found, yeah. yeah, you've found a way for the, the blending. Like you said, Janice is still at games, and she's there. But the way you guys are able to blend it all together has worked magnificently to this point, and I, I'm sure it'll continue um, to be that way. John, before we go on, I want to take a second and mention something from a couple of our friends. First, the Be Contagious Leadership Experience by Hernando Planels. Coach Hernando Planels is a college basketball coach, leadership entrepreneur, and former sports film choreographer. Everyone is trying to get better when leading their team, employees, and themselves. The BCLE gives people an inside view on leadership from the coaches and thought leaders' perspective. Be great, be the light, and be contagious. You can find out more at www.hernandoplanels.com. Please subscribe to his podcast, The Be Contagious Leadership Experience, on SoundCloud and iTunes. Also, the WBCA. Coaches of women's and girls' basketball, the WBCA is your community. 
Since 1981, the Women's Basketball Coaches Association has been there advocating for our sport and supporting coaches at every level. They have amazing in-person educational opportunities like the WBCA convention, which is held in conjunction with the NCAA Women's Final Four and regional coaches classroom clinics. They have e-learning through their monthly webinar series as well as over 700 videos, plays, and drills on their website, www.wbca.org. Along with information, they are the place you go to expand your network. The Coach to Coach Mentoring Program connects members throughout the season, and their in-person mentoring madness sessions put you next to other experienced head and assistant coaches that can give you instant feedback and help you meet whatever challenges you might be facing. The WBCA is there to give you all the tools you need to be your best. Learn more today at www.wbca.org and become part of this premier coaching association. Kind of jumping back, there's there's that old adage, you should never want to replace a legend. And uh, we talk about it all the time at NIU, there are certain situations where a head coach comes in and it's a rallying point for the roster, right? They wanted change. They wanted someone to come in and demand more of them or do things differently, whatever the case may be. In your case, we're talking about how tremendous Coach Pinella was as a mentor and as a person. And your last year, 2009, 2010, your last year as an assistant, you guys go undefeated in the very competitive CCAC. You go 30-3 and overall. And you played three games in the national tournament. And that was his last year as a head coach. And going into 10-11, now you're being asked to replace a legend replace someone that's very well liked how nervous were you and and what was your mindset going into that process yeah i, I had a lot of sleepless nights um you know I, I a lot of worrying about um can i carry on what rich did and um first off rich was amazing the first year i took over he still came around but he was very respectful he almost like asked permission to come to practice or come to a game and like rich my response to him was this is your program i'm I'm carrying on. This is you can do whatever you want. You want to sit on the bench. You want to do every camp, and he would not do it. So first off, he made it really easy for me. He was amazing. I've heard stories about former coaches not being that way, and but so he was amazing. A quick quick story is um, we had just got a new president um, at that time also, and when we did our first meet and greet with some of the directors, um, and I was a director of recreation at the time, he got to me, and before I was able to shake his hand or say anything, he went, "Whoa, you have." Huge shoes to fill, <laughs> and I no pressure. <laughs> he, was, he was no pressure, and and he, and my response was, "You don't know the half of it, and this is why I don't sleep at night." And <laughs> and we had a good chuckle, but there was some truth to that. And um, you know, I I don't know, you know, there's there's no way to prepare for that kind of things. You know, Rich would always say, "If you're going to go out and take a job, don't follow, don't follow a legend." Right. And so he said three things. He said, "Find find an AD that supports you. Make sure you have the resources to win." budget and facilities and don't follow legend and so when i took the job i, I had great bosses um you know if you know stretch we don't have the resources to be competitive with some of our competitors and i i followed the legend so um i did not did not follow his advice i'm glad i did now because i did not want to um i was you know blessed with a lot of coaches are going to walk in and they have to do a big rebuilding process and the 
biggest problem they have is not a talent void. It's a void in a bad culture. Right. You know, coaches either leave because they got a better job or they have to leave and they've not done a good job. I was blessed. I did not have to deal with that, but that made it easy. I had enough players that would buy in and were good enough, but Rich created such a great culture of expectations for success and what to do and how to carry yourself that it was it was easy for me, easier for me, and that, that alleviated a lot of the stress I had to deal with. That's awesome. I mean, again, very fortunate to have uh, a boss who respected you and loved your program, and when he turned over the yes. reins, was able to give you your room to grow. So that year yes. where he would, like you said, he's being very mindful of the boundaries, would you, would you ever go up to him and beg for some sort of critique, some sort of criticism, be like, Rich, no, come on, I know you're thinking something up there, you know, whatever yeah. the case may oh, be. Yeah. How, how oh, yeah. did he handle so it? He, yep, definitely. So the first year or two, um, you know, he asked, and I, because he, he felt bad about it, and I said, definitely, he actually sat behind me, which is a little daunting to have someone that's, you know, a Hall of Famer with 500 wins, over 500 wins, sitting behind you. But it actually became comforting at times when I would turn and look at him, like, what's going on, or what, you know, what, and he would give me the, like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, whether it's right. a bad call by the right. refs or the players, not, not so it's kind of a comforting thing to be there. He would he would give me advice only when I asked for it, and 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 jokingly, it was payback time because he would joke for the many years I was his assistant. After a game, I'd walk in his office with like three notes of handwritten critiques of what we need to work on and what why we didn't play well is because we didn't do this in practice and right. kind of critiques of him, which he loved. But he would also jokingly say, uh, "So I'm, I guess, I'm guess I'm going to get a million notes tomorrow, aren't I?" <laughs> well, t- the tables were turned now because I would um, <laughs> I get home from a game and all of a sudden there'd be a text or a phone message or now it and it would be now it's my turn. Why'd you Why didn't you call a timeout here? What'd you do here? So it was a good exchange, a joking exchange, but it was it was a lot, it was a respectful exchange of payback time where he could tell me what I was doing wrong or how I could have done this better. Um, but it was always done in a respectful way and he never really gave input unless I asked for it. So it was, a, it was a, it was great to have him around when he could be around. Right. That's awesome. Now, after that year though, you know, you go 11 and one in the league, you finish first again, you go to the national tournament, you're 24 and eight, you go 27 and seven the following year, so on and so forth. 27, 27, 28, 25, 25. Now we're fast forwarding seven, eight years later, you've continued to maintain such a high level of success. Now, I got to ask, what have been the keys for you to continue on the tradition? Because now you've cycled through, you know, at times people are like, well, their success has been riding on the coattails of the previous staff's recruits, or they, you know, inherited, uh, they're just very fortunate to inherit what they had. Or in your situation, you've now cycled through essentially two classes of your own recruits and mm-hmm. you guys have not missed a beat. What, what do you think for some of our young coaches that'll hear this in our young head coaches that'll hear this? How, how have you been able to do that? Uh, what have right. you been able to, again, using the word blend, what have you been able to blend with what are your ideas along with yeah. stuff you've learned from rich? Right. I, I think primarily, and the main reason why we've been able to, to, maintain some competitiveness and success is the type of players we're bringing in. It, it is 90% that. I've been very lucky to bring in high character, good people, 
the top of the list is not talent. I, we've not, you know, it's not about players that just go out and can play. They're they're good. They're not great, but there's. I've been able to be lucky enough to bring in kids that buy in, young ladies that buy in. I think there's there's a feeling of I want to maintain this program and and basically been lucky enough to get those kind of kids. Yeah, a responsibility. Pardon? Yeah, yes, you're right. And so, but you know, so I think ninety percent is it's all about the players. It really is. Um, on my end, the little part that I impact the game. You know, don't forget your values and where you've been and what's got you to where you've gotten to. So I jokingly say I have a little wristband. WWPD. What would Pinella do? So forget the past, but you got to move on. You got to you got to advance with the game. And so, you know, I've, I'm 52. I've been coaching for over 30 years. I'm still going to coaching clinics. I'm still talking to. Uh, I still have mentors. I, I love the. You know, you and I get together in, in the X and O. I'm learning from everybody. So I, you can't stop learning and changing and and trying to make improvements. So I think if if the small percentage that I can maybe impact my program success is don't forget your past and keep learning and be a student of the game because the game changes. Everyone's getting better. You owe it to your players to keep learning. And I, I, I don't know if the younger players, younger coaches coming in understand that. I think they've arrived right away. Right. I haven't forgot that. I've always wanted to learn more and soak up more and be a sponge. And so that, that maybe be how I helped our program stay where we've been. Right. That makes a lot of sense. To that point, who are some of your strongest basketball influences right now in terms of X's and O's, how you run practice, the drills you select. You know, I, I yeah. would love to hear if, if you if you are you using stuff from way back from those old Dick Bennett, Ro- Dean Smith books. Are you in? Yeah. Obviously, I know offensively what you do, but some of our listeners might not. You know, who are some yeah. of the people that you look to when it comes to shaping what you want to do between the lines? Well, it, 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 we could take an hour just talking about everybody. I, I guess um, I I still. <laughs> Lately, it's kind of funny. I'm kind of going through a renaissance where I'm going backwards and looking backwards and bringing out old-school drills that we haven't used for a while, uh, whether it's drills or things we do in practice or what we run even. I've been going back through all of our years of what has worked for us in the past and maybe brought those and made those relevant again. There are so many. There are so many. I, I, um, I still like to go, you know, the, the coaches, the state right now, um, Kyle Reckless, mm-hmm. um up in Milwaukee, yep. yeah. I, I love I love learning from her. You know, if I go watch her practice, I I think she's one of the best coaches that I've ever seen. And not just what she does, but how she handles up her philosophy, how she talks to her players. Sure. I really learned a lot from her. The high school coaches in the area, I actually, you know, everyone always looks up like where you know higher. I think some of the best coaches are at the high school and actually even grade school level. So, yeah. coaches in the area, Dan Dan Wandry at Brookfield Central, I think is one of the best coaches that I've I've. I had on the boys side. privilege of actually playing with on the boys' side and, and the girls' side. He was a very good, um, accomplished girls' coach before that. I, I mentioned Dave Markson, who was at who was at Dominican, who's now basically an assistant coach at Whitefish Bay High School. He and I get together weekly and X and O it out. So that's awesome. So I think that, I, I don't know if I can even answer that right. There are so many coaches that I learned from. You know, I with with the internet and social media. You know, I I, I spend I spend a third of my day every day. Watching videos and learning from coaches. So there's so many I, I can't even listen. No, that's awesome. That's I love it. Again, your your thirst for knowledge, your willingness to get better. But you know, you've been coaching for 30, 30 years, like you said. So at the age of fifty two, for yep. you to still have that yep. desire to get better, I think there's no excuse for any young coach, you know, in their twenties who are just getting into this profession. If anyone yep. listening to this feels like I got it all figured out, I 
strongly recommend that you rethink that philosophy. Again, you are living proof of that, and I think that's why you have been successful and will continue to be successful. Offensively, now you said you're going through a little bit of renaissance in terms of what you're trying yeah. to do. Offensively, talk a little bit about how you started infusing the chin offense. You know, I know obviously Coach Beeline up at Michigan runs it. You'll see uh, UConn women run it in sets. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Coach Jonathan over at Wisconsin spoke on it at your fall clinic. What was the thinking with that? Was it about getting the right people the right shots? Was it just you liked the floor spacing aspect of it and kids could play out of it? How did, how did you come to use that at Stretch? Yeah, I think it originally came about because historically we did not get a lot of post players in our program. We had yeah. to play small ball. You know, our, our, our fives are generally fours. Our fours were threes. We'd play small. And so... I think so. I think personnel was the start of of why I started liking it and looking at it. You know, watching kind of the, some of the big dogs, like you mentioned, um, watching UConn and um, Notre Dame ran a little bit of it, and seeing some teams ran, sure. running. And I just like the actions of spreading the floor and giving players opportunities to attack the rim. And, and I like the if I'm using this term properly, I like the false action aspect of the chin, where you're moving the defense with some actions to open up the floor and get defenses out of help and strong side positioning before you actually run your attacking actions. That was part of it also. And, and the third thing is probably because I have um, a continual debate within my mind. Do you want to run plays or do you want to let players have options and let them play? And that's this constant struggle with me. So the chin for me, I like the concept of there's there's rules and some actions, but the players have basically three options on everything they do, and it gave them more flexibility. So this was my way of not totally turning over because I'm a big set play guy, and I want to run right. plays for players. That's who I am, with, and there's pros and cons of that. But I like the fact that the chin, there are some rules and some actions that I can make them run, but it gives them the op- opportunity to run some stuff, set some screens, but then decide if they're going to attack the best. So I, so I think it's a marriage of those three things of, Seeing some of the what the best programs do, it fit my personnel, and it was a blend of having me have some control over the offense, but giving them flexibility. Right. Again, it's yielded great results for you. Last couple things here, like I alluded to just a second ago, you host this clinic in the fall. Your third one is coming up, correct? Is it your third correct. one? Do you have a date for that? So if anyone's listening there in the Milwaukee area, do you have a date yep. for that yet? What's the date on that? Tentatively, Saturday, September 15th is our date for our third annual coaching clinic. Okay, Saturday, September 15th at Cardinal Stritch University. You've always had a great lineup of speakers um, in the past. So if you're in the Milwaukee area, September 15th, Saturday, 2018. And then that is a great segue into... If people want to follow you, follow your program, John. What's what's a what's an email for you? You know, what's your Twitter handle, Instagram? That way, if people want to keep up with what you're doing, and and if they want to reach out yeah. to you uh, after hearing some of the stuff, uh, whether it's X's and O's or talking about Coach Pinella and motivation and and leadership and that kind of stuff, how do they how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, uh, thanks for uh, letting me provide that. So my um, Twitter handle is just my name, my full name. So it's John Fafel. So it's J O H N P F A F F L. 
I, I did not pick the name, so don't hold that against me. <laughs> my Instagram my Instagram is uh, JPPFAFFL, or you guys can reach me on my email address, which is JPPFAFFL at stretch.edu. There's a common theme there. <laughs> it's very yes, <laughs> uh, very consistent, right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, again, John, hey, thanks for your time. I mean, there's great nuggets. There's great things to take away uh, from the stories you've shared and everything you've said. The last thing I'll add, the most remarkable thing about all this is you've been able to do this, I mean, as much as Coach Maley and Coach Tamo have been there for you recently. Mm-hmm. I've been most yep. impressed with the level of kids you bring in, high character, quality kids who have continued to go to the national tournament, who have carried on the Cardinal Stretch women's basketball tradition. And you've been able to do all of this without an assistant coach. And you want to talk about kind of really having to dig in, roll up your sleeves, and do all the work to sustain your program because of your love for that place and your love for carrying on Coach Pinella's tradition. Uh, I mean, not enough can be said about that. So I'll always uh, look forward to catching up. I appreciate your time today, and I'll be excited to watch Cardinal Stritch in the future. Thanks, John. Thanks, Adam. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. The All Day Every Day Hoops podcast will be back soon with another amazing guest. In the meantime... Check out our YouTube channel. You just have to search All Day Everyday Hoops in the search bar. And please shoot me an email at A T A N D E Z at NIU.edu so that I can put you on the All Day Everyday Hoops newsletter mailing list. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.